when they break for spring break, regardless of what school they're in, we will be sending each kid home with one of those spring break bags because the, the number is that eight out of 10 kids only get two meals a day in our neighborhood when they're in school, which means that most of them will average one meal a day when there's not school, and that's when Shepherd's closed as well. So we will, uh, the food packs that you guys are providing are helping give them food throughout those two weeks that they're on spring break, but it also gives us the opportunity to be able to say, hey, when we say that Jesus loves you, we don't mean just like Jesus loves you once you go to heaven one day, but like also Jesus loves you now, and like he doesn't want to go, you to go hungry. So you guys are helping with that for us to be able to share Jesus' love, like, you know, right now, when you go to, you know, buy these foods and donate, it's not just like, you know, like fill in a checklist, like, you know, did my good deed for the week. It's like, it's cool being able to see like who the food is going to and like the lives it's changing and the people it's helping. Bring your spring break bags to church by Sunday, March 12th. Hey, we've got a great opportunity uh, to be a blessing to Shepherd Community Center so that they can be a blessing to uh, many of the families that they're serving in Indy. Uh, I was told this morning we've got 24 bags left that need to be filled uh, and in return by next week. And so if you're up for the task, if uh, you'd be willing to help us out in that just outside these doors this morning and to your left, we've got a booth set up and we can tell you more about how you can participate uh, with this drive. Again, food bags are due back next Sunday if you haven't brought those bags already. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis. We love having you with us today. I'm going to tell you right up front, I've got a bit of a weak voice. Uh, no fever, but the last few days, just a, a very weak voice. So I'm telling you that up front so that if I squeak or crack, I'm 41. I've been through it. All right. I got three kids to show for it, and uh, but uh, hopefully we're going we're gonna to make it uh, through this today. I recently uh, spent four days with one of our ministry partners, ICF Church in Tirana, Albania, and I had the privilege of speaking at a church planting conference uh, that they were hosting. Uh, I've got a picture here of our team. This is uh, an American team and the Albanian team that we work with, the dinner that uh, we enjoyed together just a little over a week ago. I got to tell you that I am so excited that we're partnering with ICF Church uh, in helping people find their way back to God. God has given ICF uh, incredible influence right now, uh, not only in Albania, but really all of the Balkans too. And uh, over the past couple of years, they've been able to grow a network now of 50 churches uh, in Albania. Uh, these churches are praying together. They're planning together for how they can plant 400 churches. Get this, 400 churches together over the next five years. Now, now, less than one half of 1% of Albanians are Christians, and so you can see that they've got great faith and a really big vision for how to make a kingdom impact in Albania. I want you to know that with our financial support, prayers, and participation, we get to play a small part in that. And I am so grateful that we do. We're going to send another team to Albania uh, in October, October 20th through 30th, uh, to help teach English classes to college students there in the capital city. It's one of ICF Church's biggest outreach events each year. Uh, our own Jim Vaselli is going to lead that team, and uh, some of you need to go on that trip. And uh, so maybe that'd be something for you to be praying about. We'll start registrations for that trip in April. Again, that trip will take place October 20th through 30th. 
All right, we've been talking about prayer these last few weeks, uh, drawing some practical advice from a book that has been incredibly influential uh, in my life. It's making a big difference for me. It's a book called uh, A Praying Life, believe it or not, by a guy by the name of Paul Miller. And I know many of you are reading it. I know many of you are studying it in your connection groups. I want to tell you that if you haven't picked up a copy of this book yet, I hope that you will. And uh, you can do it easily. You can go to Amazon and pick it up for around $10. I personally think this is a book that every Christian should have on their shelf. Every person should read. Now, why? Well, here's the thing. If if you're going to grow in your relationship with the Lord, you are not going to do it apart from prayer. It's not going to happen outside of a growing, intimate time conversation with God each and every day. And I know, I believe this, I, I know and I think we all know that we should pray, right? Uh, for so many of us, we, we think we should pray, and we know we should pray, but it's hard, isn't it? And if you think about all the reasons that it's hard, it's hard to make the time, it's, uh, it's hard to be consistent, it's, uh, some, there, there are times when you pray and you wonder, is this really making a difference? I mean, am I really seeing any change or good from this? Anyone ever get frustrated trying to pray? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe for some of you, you would say, you know what, I, I've never had anybody teach me how to pray. Well, if that's the case, I'm glad you're here with us today because the whole point of this morning is really just to provide for you a model uh, for how to pray, a pattern for how to pray. And uh, uh, this model that I want to share with you today, it's something that you can put into practice even starting today or something that you can practice uh, starting tomorrow morning. And I think it's good for every single one of us because even if you do call yourself a Christian and maybe you've kind of exercised those muscles in your prayer life and, well, maybe you find yourself kind of in a dry season today, I think this model might be the spark that could kind of get the fire going, you know, the interest going for you again when it comes to your prayers. And so I want to look at a model for prayer today, a model that has greatly benefited me uh, in my own prayer life. But I want you to note right away that I didn't come up with this, all right? This isn't mine. Uh, This is from Jesus. But what an encouragement. who, Who better to teach us how to pray Uh, than Jesus himself. And so if you've got your Bible with you today, I want you to open it to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Go to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. We'll have these words on the screen too. We're going to spend a little time this morning looking at a prayer that Jesus prayed, a prayer commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I want to pick it up in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. But before we look at this prayer, let let me just say this again. As a Christian, all right, as a follower of Jesus, No matter how long you've been around this, or maybe you're just getting started in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord, here's the thing. As a Christian, there is no greater step that you can take towards a deeper relationship with God than to make prayer a a, a vital part of your daily life, all right? Because, Because when we talk about what it means to follow Jesus, all right, when we talk about what it means to live as a Christian in this world today, what we're really talking about is a growing and dependent relationship with God, and you cannot grow in this relationship with God apart from regular time with him and conversation with him in prayer. And so let's look at Jesus, because Jesus is our greatest model uh, for life. He's our greatest model for prayer, and let's look at what he has to say about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Again, this is Jesus talking, and he says this. In fact, let's just read it together, picking it up at the Our Father. Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from the evil one. Let's stop there. It was uh, Martin Luther uh, who once said that when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, you can pray it a thousand times and still learn something new. He says this, though, unfortunately, most of us have spoken this prayer a thousand times but never stopped to discover all of the rich truths that are really hidden in it. And so I want to walk through these verses one by one with you this morning. If you're taking notes, I want to pick it up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Again, where, where do we see this model, this demonstration of prayer from Jesus? Note right away there in verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. He says to his disciples, all right, here's how you should pray. Notice that he doesn't say, this is what you should pray. All right, he doesn't say that. And not that there's anything wrong with the reciting these words, but I don't think Jesus' goal is to get us praying this prayer in particular, but instead to provide for us a model for how we should pray. And so uh, think of this prayer as a blueprint, really. Think of it as a a map or a template. And what I want to do today is I want to give you six words based in the Lord's Prayer that I think can really prepare your heart as you pray. These are six words that are found in Jesus' prayer that I think can uh, focus your mind if you've ever struggled with a wandering mind when you prayed. These are six words that can kind of guide your thoughts if you've never wondered where you should start or how do you ever finish a prayer. These are six words that can really help you pray uh, as Jesus prayed. And so if you're taking notes and following along with us, the first word that I want you to note here is the word Father. And I want you to see and understand that Jesus addresses God as his Father. What does he pray? He says, our Father in heaven. Now, for the disciples, this idea of referring to God as a Father, let alone speaking to him uh, in such an intimate and relational way, was absolutely unheard of up until Jesus. But Jesus is underscoring an essential truth here. It's a reminder that we have access to God as his children. Man, it's just like the songs we were singing. You know, I am a child of God. We have access to God as his children. Uh, John wrote it like this. He said it like this in John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, here's the truth for you this morning. If you've trusted Jesus Christ with your life, if you've put your faith in him, if you've made a commitment to to follow Jesus, you have access to God. You have the right and the privilege. You have this access that has been given and provided to you by God. You have the, the right to go to God in prayer as a child would go to his father. And man, that is an incredible blessing. I think we fail to see at times. I mean, it's, it's something that should give you and me great confidence in all of our prayers. It's kind of like the confidence that I hope that uh, my children believe they have uh, with me. You might have noticed there in the picture a moment ago, but I had the privilege of taking my son Joel, my 13-year-old son, with me uh, to Albania. And uh, I think that was just an incredible investment of time and financial resources for our family to take him on a trip like that. Uh, it was a great father-son adventure for us, too. I mean, he got to see firsthand, you know, the, the people there in Albania and get to know them and hear their stories and participate in the conference and some great sights to see around Albania. I was able to arrange a 24-hour layover in Rome uh, on the way over. And so even though we were jet-lagged, we took one day, we took about six hours really to explore uh, the city of Rome. And so even though we were coming off the overnight flight, uh, we pushed through. We were able to see things like the Colosseum, the Forum, the the Pantheon, and uh, St. Peter's. 
I think we had a picture there that's not showing up. And we did this all in about six hours. My wife said it best. She said, you saw everything and learned nothing, all right? You know, because we just, we, we were going and going and going. And she's right, but man, what a great time. And I'm so grateful to have had that experience with my son. Um, I want my son, I want Joel to know that I love him, that I enjoy spending time with him that I delight in him. I want each of my kids to know that. I want my son, Luke, to know that I enjoy uh, hearing all about the highlights of his day. I want my daughter, Kate, uh, to know that I love her and I care for her, especially when there are maybe some things that are troubling her. On the other hand, Luke and Kate want me to know that I owe them a trip, all right? And on the same level uh, that Joel got a trip, so we've got that ahead of us over the next few years. But here's the thing with our prayers. Jesus doesn't want you to forget who you're praying to. And we have a Father, and he loves to hear from us, and he loves to spend time with you, and he loves to, well, he loves to hear all about your ups and your downs and your concerns, and he wants you to know that he delights in you. And that he loves you with a deep love. And so as you pray, my suggestion for you in your prayers is to do what Jesus did. Uh, Pray to the Father. Uh, Pray with the Father in mind. Let that picture of a loving Father prepare your mind so that you can experience a comfortable and safe place as you share your life with him. Now, here's the thing. I know that some of you might be tempted to say, I don't know how to do that. And maybe because for some of you here this morning, you had a lousy father or you had a a dad that was never around, maybe even from day one. And so, well, what if you didn't have a good father? Paul Miller addresses this really well in his his book of Praying Life. He says this, he says, you know, the fact that we know our father is flawed means we know what a good father should do. He says, if we didn't know what a good father was, we wouldn't be able to critique our own. And so I just want to say today that I'm sorry to those of you that didn't have a good father here on earth. But please know that while you might have had an earthly father that failed you, your father in heaven, he never will. And he won't abandon you and he won't neglect you and he wants good things for you and he wants to hear from you. And so Jesus models this for us when he prays our father. And I want you to keep that picture in mind as you pray. And I want you to keep that picture in mind as we consider these next words. All right, Jesus prays our father in heaven, but look at how he continues. He says, hallowed be your name. And so... There should be a very relational aspect to your prayers and to my prayers, all right? He's a, he's a father, or a better translation really is the word papa, all right? He, he's a father to us, but don't miss the stress, all right, on intimacy, uh, but there's something different in him uh, that we've got we've to note here too, and that is that he's not like us, all right? He's not of this earth. He, he's from above, and so the next word I want you to write down in your notes is the word holy, All right, that word hallowed or the word holy, all right? Uh, The word holy just means that he's not like us. Again, that he's set apart, that he's perfect and sinless to the point that there's really no possibility of sin in him. That's how perfect he really is. And there's no better description of the holiness of God than uh, from these passages from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, where Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. And with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. What, What a picture 
right, of reverence and respect and awe, really, the holiness of God. But here's the question. How do you marry these two things? How do you marry both the intimate uh, approach of God as a father, but yet the holiness of God at the very same time. I mean, how, how do we marry this picture of God who is a loving and gracious and approachable father who is also at the same time a holy and perfect, different and set apart God? Well, I think the reason that Jesus tells us to praise this way, to praise this way is because he knows he's about to pay for that privilege. He's about to shed his blood so that we could have the right. He knows that through his blood and through his death, we will be made right with God. And it's only because of that that we can approach this holy, hallowed God as our Father. It's the reality of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that says that God made him, he made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. And it's because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ then given to us, transferred to us, that we have access, that we have the right to approach this holy hallowed of God. And so there's this confidence that you and I, that we can have as we go to God as a child would go before his father. But I think the point here, or I think one takeaway should really be this, that we should never become so casual in our approach to God that we forget who he really is. And so let me tell you what this looks like in my prayers. And um, I have found one of the greatest uh, benefits, one of the greatest helps really in my prayer life has been journaling and really just writing down my prayers. And some mornings I write word for word my prayers. And then there are other days where I just really don't feel like writing. And so it's a little bit more like shorthand. But yesterday I was just kind of praying through this model and praying with this idea of God as Father and God as a holy God. And so here's what I wrote yesterday morning as I started my day. I wrote, good morning, Father. It is so good to be in your presence today. Thank you for a night of rest. Uh, thank you for a day of rest that's before me. Most importantly, thank you, Lord, for meeting me here again morning after morning. You are a good Father, a faithful and holy God. Speak to me today. Fill me with your joy and with your presence. I am so grateful that I belong to you. And so for me, that's just kind of a typical morning and how I begin my prayers. It's like having a conversation, hopefully, with a very loving and gracious yet holy Father who is there and who delights in me and enjoys listening to me and me from him. And so we have this Father. He is a holy God to us. Look at verse 10 now. Jesus continues. He prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third word for your notes is just this word kingdom. Now, why, why do we pray? Why does Jesus pray your kingdom come? Because here's the thing. There's a place called heaven where right now God's will is being done. And it is being accomplished. Things are as they should be in heaven. And God is being worshipped and glorified. I mean, it's what Isaiah saw in his vision in Isaiah chapter 6. And so Jesus prayed that it would be like that here on earth. All right, That God's will would be accomplished here on earth. And he wants you and me to do the same. He wants us to pray and to ask the Father to continue his kingdom work here on earth. On earth. Now, is there room for you and me to bring our prayers? Is there room, room for you and me to bring our, our fears and our needs and anxieties before God? Absolutely. And for sure, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but Jesus wants us to be sure that our prayers and, you know, your prayers, my prayers, are, that, that they focus as well on God's work 
to be accomplished here on the earth. And so we need to create space in our prayers, all right, so that his will, that we can pray that his will would be done here on earth. That's why a few verses later, all right, Jesus would remind his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, all right, this very same chapter, Jesus would say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and look at this promise, and all these things All right, these other things that we want to pray, that we can pray, that God invites us to pray, he says, will be given to you as well. See, I think there's a reason why Jesus invites us to pray for God's kingdom first. And it's just this, if I'm not careful, my prayers tend to drift towards temporary, me-centered sorts of things. And it's, again, it's not as if God doesn't want to hear those prayers, all right? I just think that we need to pray more of what Jesus prayed all right, Jesus prayed kingdom-minded prayers. He prayed prayers that were focused on God bringing the ultimate healing that every single one of us long for in this world. And so Jesus prayed, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, our Noblesville campus pastor, Ben Krause, and I met with a, uh, a couple a few years back. And uh, these folks were retired, and they're in their 70s, and uh, we sat around a table in my office, and they asked us to pray for them. Uh, They wanted us to pray specifically for God to show them how he planned and wanted to use them, desired to use them in retirement. Uh, And I just thought it was pretty fascinating that even at 70 years old, this, this couple, they had no interest in just simply spending the rest of their life on the beach, all right? And not that there's anything wrong with spending some of your time on the beach, uh, but in fact, they were just battling tears as they told us about seeking God's will and desire for every single moment of the rest of their life. And they wanted to be used by God, and they desperately desire to see God's kingdom come through them. And so I just can't tell you how encouraging that was for me and for Ben to see a couple that was so passionate about pursuing the will of God. And I'm, I'm sure they could have asked us about some health concerns. I'm sure that they had some fears about having enough money in, in, in retirement, but that wasn't the priority for them. They were seeking first God's kingdom And they weren't just praying for God's kingdom to come to earth. They were making their lives available to be used by God, to bring God's kingdom to this earth. Can I just ask you this today? Are you praying any kingdom-minded prayers when you go before the Lord each day? Uh, Would you do that? Would you consider that? You know, at Genesis, we've talked about this plenty. We are absolutely sold out to the mission of helping people find their way back to God. We believe that every person, every follower of Jesus is an ambassador for God here on this earth. And so I'd just like to encourage you this morning to spice up your prayer life if you haven't already with some kingdom-minded prayers. I mean, to think about this movement of churches in Albania that is praying for 400 new churches over the next five years. Those are kingdom-minded prayers, but... You know, for you and me at the very same time, it's praying for people in your life right now that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. People that you believe that God has put you there and put them in your life very uh, intentionally. It's praying for your neighbors. It's praying uh, for your street. It's praying for your whole neighborhood, all right, for a movement in your whole neighborhood. It's, it's praying for where you work right now, for people to come to Christ, for your college campus. It's praying for people like our students, you know, in their efforts right now to launch a disciple-making movement in our schools here in Hamilton County. Uh, It's praying for for people like Shepherd Community and their desire to bring an end to poverty and hunger and uh, a spiritual awakening uh, in the city right now. And again, it also includes praying for things like revival in Haiti or church planting in Albania or for people groups around the world that don't have access 
to the gospel. Here's what I want you to see. Can you see how these kingdom-minded prayers have the ability to get us thinking about things that really matter the most, the most important things? And at the same time, there's an attitude of surrender that comes with praying these kingdom-minded prayers because what you're saying is this, is God, before anything else, more than I could ever ask for personally, I want your will done and accomplished in this world. And you know what's best for me, and I trust you for what I need, and I want to be used by you, God. Use me to bring your kingdom to this world. And so Jesus prays, Father, and we're reminded that he's a holy God, and we pray these kingdom prayers. Look at the, the next word we find. It comes out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Jesus prayed, give us today our daily bread. The word I want you to write in your notes is the word provision. All right, it's the word provision. Da- daily bread or provision is where we bring our personal heartfelt needs to God. And thank God that we can because my prayer journal is full uh, of these heartfelt needs. Listen to what Paul Miller, says, or Paul Miller says. He says, Jesus' prayer for daily bread was an invitation to bring all of our needs before the Father. Now here's, here's where this comes out of uh, historically and to give you some context. When, when God delivered in the Old Testament, when God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, uh, he provided food for them in the wilderness. Uh, and it was called manna. And so God provided manna from heaven every single day as a way of sustaining his people. They had no other source of food, all right, apart from this manna. And so God provided the manna or the daily Bread. And so for you and me, praying for daily bread is praying for those real needs that we have each day. And that may or may not include food for you, but think about those many areas where we daily need God's help and we need his provision and things like our finances. Uh, we need God's help when it comes to questions about our health or uh, questions in your relationships or uh, in your marriage. We, we need God help, God's help as parents uh, in our world right now. We need, we need help when it comes to our anxieties and our worries and our fears or in the conflicts that we're up against. We all have these needs, right? And so many similarities in them. We've all got these lists to bring before God. And I want to encourage you with something. It's okay to ask him. You know, again, this is about a relationship, and he loves to hear from you. He loves to hear from me. He wants to know what those things are that are disturbing us, and he wants us to keep asking. And so whatever it is for you, don't quit asking. Don't give up in asking. The Apostle Paul uh, encourages us with this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And as we pray for these things, I think some perspective could help here, but there's something else that we need to notice about the way that Jesus prayed for this bread. You know, notice that he encourages us to pray for daily bread, not not weekly bread or even next month's bread. So here's the thing. God provided man to the Israelites with very specific instructions they would only take enough for one day's meal. Manna had a, a really short shelf life, uh, if you would, and so any uh, extra collected would spoil uh, overnight, and so the people were instructed to only gather enough that they would need for one day, and so they were expected to trust that there would be more available for tomorrow. See, we need to realize that God doesn't always promise abundance or excess, But what he does promise is daily bread. 
He promises you and me daily bread. He promises to provide exactly what we need for today. And maybe that has the potential to be the real game changer for you right now. And whatever that thing is that you've been praying, to acknowledge that God will fulfill his promise to give you what you need today, and then he'll take care of tomorrow, tomorrow. I uh, came across this story. Uh, I was reading a story about uh, a missionary couple, Franklin and uh, Philada Nelson, who went to Burma as missionaries uh, in 1940. They uh, served eight and a half years there before the government closed the country uh, to any further missionary work. We know that it has since opened up. It's, uh, Burma is known as Myanmar today, and we're excited to partner with opportunities now there. But for this couple, uh, they returned to the United States where Franklin served several churches uh, in various pastoral roles. But he said this. Uh, he said, while in Burma, uh, we worked among rem- uh, remote tribes and we, we just found and discovered this sense of gratitude uh, for God's providence. And uh, when reflecting on some of his missionary work from the past, here, here's what he wrote. He says, in the Burmese hill country, the only way to get to remote villages was by walking. Uh, it wasn't at all uncommon for me to walk 20 miles a day in the dry season. When I got back to the States, interestingly, and worked as a church pastor and leader, I rarely walked a mile a day. He said, I had a phone and a car which made walking unnecessary. He says, in Burma, if one of us got sick, the nearest hospital was 10 days away, and the United States medical care is minutes away. In Burma, we'd go months without bread. Once we asked our daughter to say grace before a meal, and she said, why do I have to pray for my daily bread when we never get any anyways? He said this about his daughter. He says, I've often coveted that experience for our youngest daughter who never had to wonder where her food came from. It's hard to have that sense of helplessness and humility so vital to prayer when you sit down to your daily bread and don't even think about how you got it. He finishes with this. He says, I don't in any way blame people here in the U.S. for not knowing what God can do. We're victims of our prosperity, but I sometimes wish we had a few more hard times so people could experience firsthand how wonderful it is to be totally and completely dependent on God. See, that's what he's after. For you and for me and in this relationship that he invites us into and in your answered prayers and in your unanswered prayers, he just continues drawing us in. He's after total and complete dependence for each and every one of us. And so Jesus says, get your minds focused on praying for his promise of daily bread. Let's look at the next verse, verse 12. Jesus continues, he says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The fifth word here uh, is the word forgive. Uh, It's the word forgive. Jesus says that when we pray, we should include and ask for God to forgive us, that this is an opportunity uh, for you and me to, uh, at the same time, evaluate even our unwillingness to forgive. And when you think about it, uh, when you think about Jesus' words here, this is a pretty serious thing to pray. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. What we're saying when we pray is this, that God, uh, to the same measure that I have forgiven the people who have wronged me, who have trespassed me, that's how I want you to forgive me. Forgive my debts just as I have forgiven others. Think about, think about that. Think about how dangerous 
of a prayer that really is. I mean, is that really what we want? Do we really want God to forgive us to the same measure that we're willing to forgive others? I mean, think about it. Think about how many times we've maybe said the Lord's Prayer and asked this of the Lord, all while at the same time holding on to a spirit of unforgiveness towards someone else. And so why would Jesus tell us to pray this way? Well, I think he's trying to remind us of what should be the motivation behind our forgiveness of others. I mean, this, this prayer is a way of reminding us of the total, complete, and unconditional forgiveness that God offers us when, when we sin. And man, what is it that he has done for us? Well, Psalm 103, 12, the psalmist writes, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So you can't even measure how far that really is. Or in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, and he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. See, when, when God forgives a sin, it's gone, and he remembers no more. And that's good news for every single one of us. But here's the challenge. So many times, I think people pray that we pray, that I've been built guilty of praying with a heart like this. Father, forgive me of my debts as I've forgiven me of my debtors, except I'm still angry at them right now. And I'm really pretty bitter about it. And I kind of hope that bad things happen to them. But forgive me of my sins, God, even though I'm not forgiving their sins. That's in our flesh, right? That's praying from your flesh. But Jesus is giving us a reminder in this prayer, and it should be a daily reminder that a spirit of unforgiveness is not okay. And I know that for some of you, when I talk about forgiveness, there's a name, there's a place, and there's a situation that immediately comes to mind for you. And maybe you've dismissed it, maybe you've shoved it down so long that it really doesn't matter to you anymore. But it does. And so right after Jesus finishes this model prayer, he says this in verses 14 and 15. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I don't really know how to soften that for you. I don't know how to make it more palatable, especially, well, especially if what happened to you was especially wrong or hurtful. But know this, Jesus knows how you feel. And the Father knows the cost of forgiveness, and that's why he paid the price for you. And what he's done for you in Jesus, he wants you to turn around and he wants you to do this for others as well. And so you can see how even in our prayers and in praying a, a prayer like this, there's really an element, there, there's some heart evaluation that goes on as we pray and as we ask for forgiveness and as we ask for the strength to forgive others at the same time. And if our prayers for daily bread, you know, are where we focus on what we want God to provide for us, Again, prayers for forgiveness are really an examination of what we think of others and how we're doing at extending love and grace and mercy to the people around us. And so it's forgiveness. And then we end with this. In verse 13, Jesus prays, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That last word there is the word deliver. And why would we ask God to not lead us into temptation? Does God really tempt with evil? No, James says no that God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone to sin. A better understanding of this passage really is, God, don't let me be led into temptation. And man, what a powerful prayer to be able to pray, God, don't let me be led into temptation. Make me aware. 
Make me alert of those things that are threatening to drag me down. You know, notice Jesus prayed this. Uh, he's going to go on and pray this for his disciples. In John 17, 15, his prayer is, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And if Jesus was willing to pray this for himself, and if he prays it for his disciples, we can pray this too. And we should pray this prayer. Father, deliver me from temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. I want you to know today that whatever those evil actions are for you or have been for you in your life, Jesus came to save you from all of that. He came to spare you from all of that. He, he came to give you a different life. He came to give you a different nature. Second Corinthians 5 says that if you are in Jesus Christ, the old is gone and the new is here. And that just means that you don't have to be defeated by your sin. But Jesus came to save you and to keep you from it. Let me finish with this. When, when it comes to a praying life, really, Jesus isn't after you just checking in with him from time to time. I want you to see, and if you're reading this book, you're seeing it as well, that this is about a relationship that you and I, that we have been invited into with a Father in heaven who loves you. He loves to provide for you. He'd love to guide you and give you wisdom and and he wants to be everything that you need in this world. And I know that for some of you here this morning, you might be thinking to yourself, why would he want someone like me? You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what's in my past or even in my present right now today. Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to know today that he invites you into this relationship as well. And if you'd love to talk with somebody about this morning, we'll be up front here afterwards. Our prayer team would be here. We'll be here. We'd love to have a conversation with you about what it means to start, start in this journey towards knowing God in a greater way. And then for others of you, and I promise I'll end with this, I know that for many of you here today, you've already trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you're honest with yourself, you find yourself in a desert, in a really dry season right now. And, and maybe you think for so many different reasons. Maybe for you, it's, you know, if I had a, a different job or if this was going a little bit better in my marriage or if this health concern or issue was taken away from me, well, then, then finally I'd be able to live the life that I'd really hope to live. I'll just say this, I, I think for so many of us today, this dryness and this weariness that we experience is a direct result of our unwillingness to spend daily time with God in prayer. We don't need more things. What we need is more of Jesus, and we need more of him in our life, and he invites us in, and he's inviting you in today you open up your heart and your life to him today and say, Lord Jesus, yes, you can have more of me. Take all of my heart today, Lord. He wants that for you. He wants that for each of us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have made a way. Uh, you have given access to us through your son, Jesus Christ, and his blood and his death on the cross, his resurrection and his victory over sin and death for each of us. And I thank you for every person here today, Lord, who has trusted you with their life and 
We pray this morning that we would just know the power and the invitation to come into an even deeper, more intimate relationship with you, Lord, and how satisfying that can really be. And so maybe that's your prayer today. Lord, just just take more of me. I give you more of my life today. I want more of you today. God, I pray for those that are ready to walk out of here and say, you know, I'm really ready to get serious about my time in prayer. And I pray that in their efforts, Lord, they would find grace and mercy comfort and the joy of spending time with you. And for others today, Lord, maybe those that kind of find themselves standing on the outside looking in, I pray they'd hear and sense that same invitation to come and to be known by you and to spend time with you, to find salvation and forgiveness of sins, Lord. We thank you. Lord, you can have all of us today. We pray this in Jesus' name.